Welcome, everyone, to the Third and Nerd Podcast. I believe this is our third episode with uh, Josh and I, my co-host here. Josh goes by Twist also. Uh, this is right after E3, so we're going to talk a lot about video games, which I think everyone's cool with, uh, especially Josh and I. We both like uh, like to play our video games. And we're also going to talk a little bit soccer, a little bit of basketball, and I think super teams maybe can go into a little bit more sports, too, Uh uh, you see it a little bit in baseball with the bigger franchises, and, and I think the NFL to some extent has had had a little bit of it. Uh, but overall, I'm excited to uh, recap a little bit of E3 and get into uh, get into some of the cool things we saw, some of the things we're disappointed with, and uh, what we can look for upcoming and in the future. Uh, you know, hopefully soon a few for a few of these games. Uh, well, first down, let's go with E3. Josh, what did you see? What did you like? What what didn't you like? Um, well, I liked a lot of things. Um, I actually, out of that, I put pre-orders on Battlefront. Um, there was no way in hell I was going to miss out on a story mode. No, regardless of how pathetically small it may or may not be, it's still a story mode in Star Wars that I can play on a game that looks ridiculously good. I'm down with that. That's, that's all I asked for. I got it. I am sure that that once they realize how much sales go up for this game, now that there is a story mode, that really well and truly ought to inspire EA to 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 get on a a story driven um, campaign mode for Star Wars. I I kind of feel like it's it's Good games that have quality index play, you know, you're talking 60, 80 hours of, of just normal gameplay. You're talking about 140 to 150 if you do all the little side quests and stuff. That type of stuff's coming hard to come by. So I was excited yeah. to see stuff like uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I thought the uh, Assassin's Creed taking a year off of of their installments. They didn't put out a title last year. And I think in that time taking it off, what they were able to come up with for Assassin's Creed Origin, I think is very unique. I think it, it, it sort of reinvents the game. And we get at long last, like any good Marvel fan or, or comic geek would uh, uh, say, we finally get an origin story. Um, and everybody loves a good origin story. So um, I, I liked uh, Mario Odyssey as well. Yep. Um, and I would say that there were odds and ends here and there. Uh, but overwhelmingly, most of the games that I liked weren't coming out until 2018, so I kind of shuffled them out of my memory yeah. just on the basis of this is useless knowledge. Like, why are you showing me a game that I'm not even going to be able to play for another year? And I was going to say that my two favorite games, I think, from E3 total were Anthem, which they showed for the Xbox, but really it's an E3. I believe it's the for, same way. 
Yeah, it looks complete. It looks awesome. It looks like Destiny, but it's got some Mass Effect to it. It's got a. It's got great graphics, and it just it looks like loads of fun. But again, 2018, and I'm thinking holiday 2018. So we're far off from that. And the other one was Spider Man, which I thought looked fantastic. I mean, and it looked advanced. And they say 2018 for that. With the way it looked and how much they showed of of that mission and how how clean it looked, I would I'm hoping early 2018. If we're thinking spring or, or first quarter 2018, uh, those two games really caught my eye. And we'll get into the the new Xbox. But I think if they're they're running, especially not Spider Man, because that's a PlayStation exclusive. I wonder if that's part of Sony's deal with the the movie. But anyways, uh, Anthem if it's running on that new Xbox at that you know. And it looks like that with graphical eyes and how much it can render and how far you can see it out, out into the world and how much is going on. Uh, it, that looks like a, a game changer for me. So I'm really excited for that. I am excited for Battlefront. Um, although I don't think uh, the campaign is going to be very long. It, it seems like a lot of cinematics they've shown from it and a lot of uh, story-driven uh, part of it is probably going to be like a 10- to 15-hour campaign is what I feel like it is. I, you know, it's going to give you a short story of, of, a, of a side character or, or a new character, I should say, and we'll, we'll just follow her journey, and, and, and I think it'll end there. But you there. know but, what, though? That's going to be, let me add it up, do quick math, carry the one. That's going to be about 13 more hours than I played of Battlefront 1. See, I like the first Battlefront because I was cool with just playing multiplayer. I knew it was just going to be a multiplayer game. I thought we'd get a, a story-driven campaign type, different, separate Star Wars game. So once we figured that's not coming or that wasn't announced you know, last year, I was like, okay, well, now I am upset that we don't have a campaign for Battlefront but for me, I, I enjoyed the multiplayer, and I had a good time. I thought it could have been deeper and had more modes, which it looks like they're definitely going to gonna deliver with this one. But uh, I'm, I want one massive multiplayer Star Wars game, and I want a completely separate, deep, 50-, 60-hour type, create-your-own-guy-in-the-Star-Wars-universe in the, in the type game. Uh, and for, for a big franchise like that and a big name like that, I don't think that's unreasonable to expect. No, I completely agree. I don't understand truthfully why we can't seem to get one of those. In fact, I'm not sure why this is the debut of uh, um, the uh, story mode, if you will, in the current gen system for Star Wars games. Like, you're telling me like this is this is your initial offering like this is how much you think of fans who have been clamoring for a worthy in-depth like Knights of the Old Republic style like just even I mean people want a story man and correct and, me if I'm wrong though they showed something I want to say like three or four years ago that looked pretty cool and it was going to be a story-driven campaign. But then uh, Star Wars and Lucas kind of sold off their their video game department. I think everything kind of got reset the Darth there. Maul one? Yeah, is that what it was? I remember yeah. something a few years ago. Well, there were there was much do uh, much ado made because there were still some uh, screenshots that survived uh, the dev build on that game, 
and there was there were articles written about you know the Star Wars game that never was, um, but that game was uh, be was plagued plagued by uh, by problems. Whether it was the the sale of Lucas, which I honestly didn't think George Lucas would ever do would do, and then sell it to Disney, I was kind of stunned on that end. Um, it just, it amazes me that Disney owns Marvel and no, no. Star <laughs> Like, it's just, I mean... And not even considering their their own properties, right? And yeah, it's huge. Right. And, and, you know, we haven't even gotten into, oh yeah, they still own ESPN. Like, I mean... Sheesh. Um, Let's wrap this segment up by talking about anything that you didn't like. Was there a game or two that they put on screen that you'd been hoping for, waiting for, and you saw it and you were just left with either a taste of meh in your mouth or you just weren't impressed? As a big Xbox fan and a Halo fan, uh, we got nothing Halo for the first time since 2009, I want to say, and, and only the second time since the game, the, you know, the original game in 2000, 2001, I believe, first time we saw it. Uh, it's it's really only been two instances at an E3 where we got nothing Halo. So for me, that was a surprise. Even a trailer hinting at the next one would have been great for a lot of fans of the franchise. Uh, but games that they did show... And especially we'll talk a little bit more about Scorpio, Xbox One X, but Crackdown was supposed to be the game. They delayed it last year, uh, and it was going to be like the the flagpole, I think, for this new system for them. And it didn't didn't look good, or at least they didn't devote a lot of time to it. They kind of brushed it off and showed a little trailer of guys running around jumping in the city, and it it didn't show much of anything at all. And so I was really disappointed by that. I wonder what the the incentive to get that new system is if it's if crackdown was supposed to be the game and they it doesn't seem like they're ready or it doesn't seem fully fleshed out with it so um, I was really disappointed in that I thought that I thought overall for Xbox it was a uh, it was another rough e3 for them because they don't have uh, enough exclusive titles they don't have enough uh, new games or new franchises on the horizon that really get you excited to to continue playing with them yeah, I, uh, I, I I was kind of not impressed by the way that some of these games that were redone turned out. Um, you know, there were uh, there were games that that like Anthem that definitely stood out, where you're like, okay, this looks great. Ori in the Wisp. I mean, we'll find out about that. Ori was obviously a great game. Um, I don't know how I felt about Metro. Um, I, I mean, as as a game, it's great. But graphically speaking, these were supposed to be the poster children for their 4K systems. And to me, a lot of these games look like something I'd be able to play on my Xbox. And, and they said a lot of that Metro wasn't 
running on the new Xbox. So, uh, you know, I, it kind of makes you wonder what was real and what wasn't. Yeah, especially, I think, uh, for, for some of the models that they, they, they were running because some of those game engines were running directly on 4K and they yeah. specified that they were. And I yep. can't think of specific titles because I, I just, I wasn't taking detailed notes. But there were a couple games that I looked at and me and my roommate were sitting there chilling and they were like, really? That's a 4K game? And, and these were ones that were actually running on 4K. Um, I still remember looking at the, I remember looking at the, particularly Assassin's Creed when, uh, Bayek, I think his name is, got into battle. And I was like, wow. Even the battle scenes in uh, Assassin's Creed still look god-awful. Like, here we are, like, no matter how many years later, and these animation cut frames still look as crappy as they did back on the PlayStation 3 when I used to kill someone, you know? Like, it just, it, 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 I, I don't know. I felt like... It was the inverse of, do you remember when Watch Dogs uh, debuted at E3 way, way, way back in the day when Ubisoft rolled it out and they had that uh, trailer that had, like, all the steam rising from the gutters and the pipes in Chicago? And that's... And that, and that trailer, just because of the level of detail and the level of effect and everything made watchdogs the talk of the town because as you saw them interact with Aiden and they displayed the hacking mechanism, you're like, wow, this is a unique game. I was wondering how they were going to make a game about hacking and make that accessible, but okay, this looks pretty easy. But then the game came out. And then you put it in, and it was still a great game, but you you put it in and you go, man, what the hell happened between the Steaming Pipes demo and here? It was sort of the inverse of that this year. It was, I was expecting to see better, and instead I saw games that I thought would be, they, would, they, they, they wouldn't look any better on an Xbox One. And that might be a good thing because maybe they have learned, maybe some of these uh, developers have learned from that, that maybe we shouldn't oversell and underdeliver. Maybe we should tell, show them exactly what we have and what to expect. That way, you know, when they get it, they, it's, they're not taken aback by, by what they were sold and what they received instead. Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, moving on from that topic, uh, if you have any questions about E3, if any games stood out to you, um, and we're not totally done with this topic yet. There was obviously another very major announcement at E3. We'll get to that. It's just another down. So for now, we move to second down. Um but like I said, if you have any questions, comments, or, or game nominations from E3, go ahead and send that to us while we move into second down, which is the discussion over Super Teams. Um, 
for now, this conversation largely seems to be relegated to soccer and uh, NBA teams. Um, not so much baseball and football as you have more expanded rosters. Um, though I find it curious how so- – actually, no, I don't. Soccer's just able to do it because you have an infrastructure in place that just – it's the most popular sport in the world. So there you go. Um, uh, where was I going with that? Dang it. <laughs> do you like uh, super teams, basically, yeah, is the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are they cool? <laughs> super teams, super teams. Uh, whether you're talking about your Real Madrid's or your uh, Miami uh, Heat, big three, the Lakers back in the day when they attempted to quote unquote buy a championship with Carl Malone and Gary Payton, only to be foiled by Larry Brown and his Detroit Pistons. Uh, The concept of super teams has been around for a while. And for the most part in the West, um, we we see uh, generally one or two teams that just sort of rise above the crop um, and uh, sort of uh, become a super team. Right now, That happens to be the Golden State Warriors. In years past, that has traditionally belonged to the Lakers, and there seems to be a lot of discussion over Paul George, yada, 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 where he's going to end up and how that's going to factor into L.A.'s play for LeBron James once he hits free agency in 2018, because best believe the Lakers are probably going to have a package for him. Um, regardless of, of how we feel about them, though that's exactly what we're going to talk about, super teams do not seem to be going anywhere. And while I absolutely do not like them, I would not support any legislation, um, that, that would remove super teams from the game. I think if you, happened to draft well, which the Golden State Warriors did with several players in this nucleus. Or uh, Oklahoma City a couple years ago even, I think, was a good, right. good example of drafting well and just having a, a great trio, or yeah, at least at that time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oklahoma City just never could get the job done, and Kevin Durant saw an opportunity to join the Golden State Warriors and win a ring, and that's exactly what he did. Now, why I do not like them? I find that they make the game boring. Um, Whether you're talking about, in particularly right now, the Golden State Warriors, games are over inside of 20 minutes. And it's yeah. just pointless to watch unless you're a Golden State fan or somebody who gets their rocks off watching a team do kind of somewhat the same same thing in uh, day in, day out. I mean, 
they play a tremendous form of basketball, and I get why NBA heads would love them. But I'm talking about as a casual observer, they drive me nuts because no matter what happens, I do not – it's almost like and, – and maybe this will be our OT question – it's almost like Mayweather and, and McGregor in that uh, we're kind of surprised how we missed that one, huh? Yeah. Maybe next time. Maybe after the fight. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of like Mayweather and McGregor in that I, it's just it, you don't ever get the sense that it's going to be competitive. And outside of one game in the NBA Finals, it really wasn't. Like, and now LeBron's facing the prospect of... Now LeBron's facing the prospect of knowing he has to load up uh, to compete with a, a, a trio of players that are coming back from Golden State that could enable them to beat... Those three alone could probably beat at least half the teams in the NBA. Um, but you're going to tell me why they're good for the league, why they're fun. You're one of well, those I th- guys. Yeah, I, I think they're fun for sure because it gets us someone like me who's a casual watcher to say, okay, and let's just take Golden State, for example. They're on, and uh, I want to see – talent. I want to see the best basketball has to offer. Maybe I can only catch one game this week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. Uh, so if I turn into one of these super teams, whether it's the Miami Heat or the Lakers back in the day, and I get to watch three superstars, three of the top 15 guys in the league on the court at once, uh, and that's just considering one team. And In the finals here, when you have LeBron and Golden State, uh, that's, for me, that's 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 a rare opportunity for me to see what the best of what the NBA has to offer. So from it's very entertaining. It's like watching an all-star game where they're actually trying and they're actually competing. Now it was a blowout and it didn't end up being close at all. Uh, and I could see these two teams meeting again in, in the finals next year, the way they have. And I think that's the boring part, uh, expecting these teams to do it, watching golden state kind of sleepwalk through most of their games as they're running through these teams by the yeah, third tell quarter. Me about, tell me about how the number one seed in the East got put aside like an annoying little fly. Yeah, right. And that's what I was going to say. There's probably three or four legit teams that could win and then everybody else and nobody else because – and it, this is the way it, it's kind of always been with basketballs where you needed a superstar or else you really didn't have a chance. Uh, even if you had four really good guys – that one superstar could walk into your court and beat you on any day. And um, and I think as more talent has, has has gone into the NBA and more teams started to acquire t- uh, those top five picks and they started to pan out a little bit more, I'm thinking the last 15 years, now you see these guys start to band together on one team to to almost ensure that they have a chance to win at the end. Um yeah, I, I, while I enjoy it and watch, and, and I enjoy watching it, I think if I was a fan of a team without a superstar, and especially without a, a couple at this point, it wouldn't be that fun because you really don't feel like you have a chance at all. And I think parity really creates fans and creates fun in sports, and in any sport, really, it doesn't matter which one we're talking about. Um, so I would be in favor of the owners getting harder on the cap. Uh, I could see, you know, even if you have five owners that are four super teams because they they have most of the money, 
the other 20 teams are going to be like, you know, uh, this isn't fair for us or we're not able to compete because we don't have the same resources. We need to get harder on the cap. We need to make it harder for you to sign uh, two or three of these guys to max deals. And I would be in favor of that because I do think parity is good for every league. But for right now, for what it is within the rules, I don't see anything wrong with super teams. I I think they're entertaining. They get me to watch when I know I'm going to watch some superstar talent. And maybe that's the idea. Maybe they see it as a plus to get the casual fan to actually tune in and and watch their games because you know you're going to get quality talent. You're not just going to tune in and watch the the Magic versus the the Milwaukee Bucks and and not really watch anybody. You're going to watch some young, good players, but is that what you want? Only if you're a diehard basketball fan. I think uh, for casual fans like me, it's definitely appealing. I can get that. I just wonder at the end of the day, when I say how good is this for the league, I don't say it in terms of a financial sense because I think that, you know, Golden State finally winning a title and and emerging as a power out west after having been silent since the damn Chris Mullen years, um, you know, it's good for basketball, and, yeah. and it's it's good for somebody other than not the Lakers, not the Celtics, and I I, I would say not LeBron, but he's been in every finals in, in, in one way, shape, or form for the past, like, what, seven years now? So, yeah, I think so. I, and and you, one would expect that short of 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 a catastrophe, uh, it, it's it's hard to imagine that the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't going to make it back to the NBA Finals. I mean, they know what the objective is, and and right now it's acquire another superstar, whether that's Jimmy Butler, whether that's Paul George. They know what the mandate is. So I ask yeah. you this, and, we'll, and then we'll call it on this one. You say you would mess around with the cap room, potentially. What do you think would be a reasonable solution to the super team? I put dilemma in air quotes uh, because depending on your point of view, it either is or it isn't. But right. it, uh, just the, the, the super team dilemma. Um, what what potential possible fixes would would you implement? You know, I think it's tough because it, I think some of the owners would be for it, and I think obviously they are because they're the ones benefiting. But um, you would have to work it out with the with the players' association because. To say we're going to limit the cap or we're going to limit where some players can go isn't going to fly with the with with the union. So you say, okay, we'll increase the the max contracts of what a player can make, and that way a guy like Steph Curry who gets a max contract or Kevin Durant who gets a max contract, it makes it harder for that team to to still get another player under that under the 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 cap or a third guy under the cap uh, that's making crazy money. So. I think that that would be the trade-off if if I was the league that was really interested in in, in trying to uh, trying to limit super teams. But again, I think there's always ways around the cap. The cap is in every league soft in in, in certain ways, whether it's with bonus money or signing bonuses or or advertisements or incentives. And so it, it's it, it's hard to say that that's the the final solution. Um, 
I think if you could somehow incentivize team players to stay with the same team, that if it were say you're already on a max contract with the team that drafted you, staying with the same team for consecutive years could add uh, and allow you to go past the, a max deal. Uh, I think that will, could keep players where they're at or keep them with the team that drafted them. But these are just ideas rolling off the, the top of my head right here. I've thought about it a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think it will be tough to, to do a lot of that because then, again, I think you're limiting teams in other ways. But, again, parity is the answer. To get more teams that actually have a shot at the end of the season is the answer. But until then, let these teams load up, and I'll, I'll watch, you know, five-on-five five all-stars competing for the championship anytime. Fair enough. So now we move on to L topic number three, third down. Yes, and this is uh, one that I paid a lot of attention to. It's the Xbox was called the Scorpio. They announced it was the Xbox One X, which is not necessarily the next generation of console. It's a little early for that because they just came out with the Xbox One. Uh, along with PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch this past year. Uh, but it is almost a phase to the next console. It is definitely the most powerful console just based on the specs and the little bit of footage we did see or what they told us was running on the, on the new Xbox One X. Um, it looks fantastic. Uh, it's super powerful. Running at 4K, uh, 60 frames per second, uh, which is all great and what you want. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it, PC gamers are always saying how their games are better and they run smoother and the resolution's better. Uh, I think this is going to be close to what you could expect for a, a lower end PC, which is great. That's, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a, you know, something to be disappointed in. That's, you can't get that in a console. So for $500 and it plays everything that you already have on Xbox One, it, they also announced the original Xbox games are, will be in a library and, and available. So, for me, I am super excited for the capabilities of the system. They just didn't show the games to match it. So I think right now, I don't know what the incentive is to buy one right now at $500 when I could wait a year for likely to have a couple game options at that time. And let's say it's 100 bucks off by that time in a year for $400. I, I, cause I, if you don't have a 4K TV, which I don't think a lot of people have and are, aren't ready for to get the full power of the Xbox One X, it's probably not worth the money right now, and it's probably not worth the investment if you say you have to buy a TV plus the system. And there's really, what are you going to play besides your old games? And then, uh, for me, Destiny is a really big game. Uh, we play that on the Xbox, even though there's a lot of exclusives with PlayStation. And when they said Destiny's only going to run at 30 frames per second, even on the Xbox One X, uh, that raises some eyebrows. And it makes you wonder, is that a limitation of the game itself with Destiny? the deal they have with PlayStation, or what is going on there, and is it worth it at that time? If if the games aren't ready to take full advantage of the Xbox One X, um, you know, was it too soon, or, or are we ready to even see the, the next step in the console wars? Yeah, I thought the pricing on the system was a bit ridiculous. Um, now, I understand that the system itself is, is as they even said in the press conference, it's not necessarily marketed towards everyone. This is marketed towards people who stream that want, you know, high-end gaming. But here's the thing. I didn't realize people didn't have 4K TVs 
Like, I have one. My roommate has one. Oh, like, ballers, huh? You guys are you guys are balling over there. Well, I have a 4K <laughs> TV. So. Oh, okay, all right. Um, but uh, uh, it's it's just a 55 inch. I mean, that's all. That's all it is. <laughs> just a 55 inch 4K 3D. Um. But truthfully, I, I didn't pay that much for it. Like, I mean, to to I got it on a deal, and I had only paid about $1,200 for it, and that included uh, my uh, five-year warranty uh, through Best Buy. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, guess I, I guess to me, I didn't realize that a lot of people weren't adopting 4k tvs like i thought that it was just kind of assumed that that's the next like it almost like you know like we're we're done with 1080p this is this is what the next thing is like you either well, adopt i think people understand that on. i think people understand that i just don't think everyone has you know in the recent years prices have have dropped with hd tvs whether it's led or whatever you're getting oh yeah and i think People have really upgraded, and I, you know, from everyone I know, people are getting up to 60, 70 inches, uh, you know, and plus, and like, oh yeah, I got this for eight hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks, and now it's like, okay, do you want to invest in a 4K, which could run you up to, you know, if you want to stay at that size of sixty to seventy inches, can run you fifteen, eighteen, and two thousand. Uh, I don't think people are ready for that yet. I, I don't. I think it's right around the corner. I just think Xbox is predicting that, and I think everyone understands that's the way we're going. Uh, it's just right now, and you're when you're considering investing 500 on a console and let's say 1500 on a TV, that's a big investment if you're not ready. Yeah, I I have the TV, and I didn't see. I you know I was watching E3 on the TV, so if they have 4K gaming showing up and they're and they're running it on a on a 4K visual then I'm I'm seeing the game in 4K and other people aren't, you know. Right. Yep. Um like I said, I just I I didn't see a throng of games that looked like they would blow my junk off. It was just I want my junk blown off. Yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Like I I I I didn't see see anything that was massively impressive. Like the problem with these systems right now, and, and we'll wrap this up, is is that uh, they, they, they release them without a substantial backing of titles to accompany them. Like, look at the Nintendo Switch. What did it release? Zelda, right? Yeah. Zelda and Bomberman, which... I had to be the only human being there who was more excited to get Zelda, or was more excited to get Bomberman than Zelda. You were? You love Zelda. What do you mean? Well, I know, but my wife, I I loved Bomberman. Like, (laughs) Bomberman goes back to my days of, like, when I was, like, a formative teen uh uh hanging out with my group of friends at their house and and we would plug in the uh do you remember when you used to have the four like the NES four adapters yep. Yep. so you could play four controllers 
we would have those plugged in and P we just have bomber man wars. And I can't tell you how many controllers got broken over people getting the gold bomber man, which basically allows you to pick up bombs, kick bombs, throw bombs. You're basically invincible. You have to get taken by surprise. The only so, Bomberman I played was Bomberman 64. Which was a great game, I think. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Uh, um, but, yeah, I, I just I, – I look at the Switch. I look at the Xbox when it came out. I look at the PlayStation 4 when it came out. Even then, it didn't have a – look, like, what came out with the PlayStation 4? Knack. Knack. Like, that was one of their titles when they dropped the PlayStation 4. You're telling me that Sony put all that time and effort into a system and the best launch game they could come up with was Knack? I mean... Yeah. Did Infamous, was that close to the release? Uh, Second Son, yeah, I, I think it was. But even then, like, that's... That's not a No, you're you're game. not wrong though. Right. You're not wrong. It feels like whenever a new system comes out, and especially the last two generations, they're not ready that first year. Like I don't even think maybe it's developers not being ready or not understanding how to get the full potential out of these consoles right away. That that first year sucks. And the games yeah. aren't playing to full potential. They're not running fast, they're not running well, the graphics aren't that good of an upgrade, and it's surprising. And and when they do come out, they almost always have massive problems. I mean, we're talking problems that, I mean, Assassin's Creed Unity was so awful that it was unplayable. And then, after two months of Ubisoft trying to fix all the BS patches, you finally had people that were like, oh, I'm going to dust this off and give it a try now that all these fixes have been happening and then like game companies were like doing the damnedest thing they were like doing another re-releasing a review they're like so hey this is how we would rate the game today if if we had received this version instead of the massively warped and unfinished pile of crap that was given to us by ubisoft like, Same with Halo 5. Uh, it, what released with Halo 5 was a shell of what you have now after a year of them supporting it and releasing other maps and updating it, and it drives you crazy. Because if that releases, these games are game of the year type candidates if they release that way. But instead they're getting rushed, and, and we're expected to buy season passes and downloadable content, and it's pretty ridiculous to be honest. Yeah, and the season passes are cheaper if you buy them the day the game comes out, and then they go up, like, almost double the price if I want to wait. Like, I'm forced into buying a season pass with a game that I don't even know if I'm going to like. Like, I, I haven't, I just started to beat Unity. That's how long it sat on my shelf, because it was so unplayable that I'm just now getting around with my wife to saying, you know what, let's beat that game. Let's beat a couple of these stupid 
uh, uh, Assassin's Creed games before Origin comes out because that one looks like it'll take up a lot of our time. So, and, and, it, and that's why I say it's not worth it to invest right now in the Xbox One X. If you're looking for an opinion, if you're listening, I say wait. Wait a year. Yep. Wait. Let's see what games come. Let's see what the price ends up being in a year. And it, for me, I think I want to invest in a system right right now. I, I do. We, I talk it over with my wife and I have kids. I think I might buy a Switch this year. With the games they announced coming out this year, uh, and for the for the capabilities of taking it with me, putting it on the TV, listen, it looks like they're they, they could win the next year again because of Super Mario, uh, Pokemon. They announced the Pokemon RPG coming out, which sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I want. I haven't played Zelda, so I'd like to get it and play Zelda still. Hundred. My wife. My wife loves like when I say that. That she destroys the hell out of these games. I'm not talking about just does enough to beat the game. Like my wife, like leaves no rock unturned, no no flower bed unslashed. Like she finds any available treasure and 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 heart and icon and potion. It's uh, 145 hours is what you have to look forward Jesus. to on that Zelda. 145 hours. I remember the last game I played that long. I mean, in a in a, in a story mode, to be honest with you. Uh, multiplayer stuff, well, I'd definitely put that in with Destiny, Halo, things like that. But uh, in a campaign, I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, 145 hours, and the best part about it was is that when I go to a lot of my doctor's visits, we were just sitting there in the waiting room. My wife could just bust out the switch and start playing it right then and there. And we'd always make sure to bring with us uh, a uh, an extension cord and the charger that we put in my little bag. And that way, if it starts dying or something, she can just plug it straight in and play it. But so would you say it's worth it as a system? I love it. I love it, man. Like, I, I don't know how to begin to explain how weird it is. Like, the little shell that holds it is literally just a piece of plastic. Like, the system is actually the thing that you see like really? it's that little slim it's the game boy that, yeah it's the game boy that's the system the plastic part that 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 you the docking station it's it's literally light crappy plastic you plug all the cords into it hmm. and then it feeds into the bottom of the system where it connects when you drop it into the docking station and uh, I would recommend, though, that if you buy it, buy the Pro Controller. Okay. But, yes, I would highly recommend the Switch, especially if you wait until around holiday time this year when Mario I'm, Odyssey comes out. Yeah. The Mario Odyssey set. looks fantastic, by the way, and it's getting a lot of game of the of the show type awards. It, it looks like it. It looks fantastic. It looks like Mario 64 with everything they've done since then. With uh, and it's got some like Paper Mario elements. It's got some uh, even some Zelda elements. Uh, and you know, it just looks great. It looks like a fresh take finally for Mario. But at the same time, it's so familiar to what you know and expect. Uh, again, I think it's some. It's something my kids will probably enjoy, and, and I'll enjoy just as much. 
Yeah, words cannot uh, express how much I enjoy Mario games, especially the 3D adventures. Like, the Mario Galaxy series, to me, was one of the pinnacles in, in platforming gaming. Like, I love Mario Galaxy so much. Like, I loved the idea of it. The only thing that I didn't like about it was that there were some worlds that I wanted to be in longer. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. but you know, you can't do that and cram all that crap into one game. Sacrifices have to be made, so... You get more worlds, but you get fewer stars in those worlds. So I'm I'm fully excited to see what an open world Mario will look like. And uh I mean, we kinda had one in, in Mario sixty four, even though he was relegated to the castle. Um I'm I'm truly excited to see what an open world Mario is gonna end up being like, especially with objects that are interactable on every level. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, all right. Last bit of business here. We may make this a short one uh, yeah. due to your lack of knowledge, but uh, it appears that Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, who is basically, uh, well, according to himself and, and many around him, speaking for Cristiano, uh, the God's gift to soccer. Um, the Real Madrid star, after having a sensational season, decided uh, that due to the fact that he was being investigated for tax fraud in uh, Spain and was facing a fine of 14.7 million euros, uh, he decided to phone Real Madrid and tell them that I'm going to quit. Um, I'm not sure if he seems to think that if he leaves the country and quits <laughs> playing for them, that the charges then still won't be filed. But, uh, yeah, man, what do you make of this news, man? Like that, That's the craziest part, though, is that you start getting investigated for tax fraud for having an offshore account or investment, and all of a sudden, yeah, I think I'm going to get out of here. Is that, like, can you imagine that in another? Or it just, or, well, you can't leave a country. Think of an American sport if it was similar. Like Tom Brady gets a uh, gets hit for tax fraud. He's like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go play for the 49ers now. I'm out of here. It's like it doesn't work that way. I can't. You can't even imagine how that how that process is in someone's mind. No, no, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I understand that Ronaldo. Uh, like I said, thinks quite highly of himself and his play, uh, level of play certainly warrants him being referred to as one of the best in the world for my money. Lionel Messi is still better. I think Lionel Messi can do more with all things, whereas Ronaldo is strictly a goal scorer at this stage in his career. At one point, he came with the flash and the flare of Leo Messi, but he's long since abandoned that in favor of putting the ball in the net, which nobody can really blame him. Ball in the net is how you win the game. Um, but my my take on this is this. Uh, it has been rumored and been said uh, by a president who is known to have an ego bigger than our own, <laughs> Um, 
Fiorentino Perez came out and said, when I say he, he's got an ego bigger than our own president, I'm not kidding. But Fiorentino Perez came out and said, Ronaldo is bigger than all of us. Now, I'm not 100% sure that's how he had it delivered to the press. I'm sure it was laced with expletives and said something like, I don't know, just tell him I said, you know, or some I, I'm sure that's how it came out. But nonetheless, he didn't want to start a leave. I think ultimately that uh, there was a rumor that Real Madrid are going to offer to pay the fine. I think that's what this comes down to, is that Ronaldo feels himself above a $14 million fine for tax fraud. And he who will pay it for him will get his services on the soccer pitch. I wish I had those kinds of balls, though. <laughs> I know you do too. Uh, I wish I, I, was, I was in that type of demand that someone would be willing to pay fifteen million to to just you know oh, we'll let this slide. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? Like, I mean, I I I think Bengals fans maybe for fifteen dollars, maybe, but uh, anyhow. Uh, not much by way of overtime today because we didn't get any questions. Next time, we will talk about Conor McGregor and more. Hopefully, we will have more news as the summer trickles on and other video game conferences happen. Um, if you would like to find us on Twitter, you can find uh, Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. You can find myself on Twitter at FightOnTwist. Um, we don't have a Twitter page for the show because I kind of think those are somewhat dumb. Um, but I also see why people do them. So we may look into that down the line, but for right now, it'll probably be just myself and Joe retweeting our own episodes as, as we get them done. Yeah. You want some bad news? I just read what? It says, Fox developing kid-friendly Fantastic Four reboot. Damn it. No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, I, I don't... What is a kid-friendly Fantastic Four? Is We're going to see them a... as kids, I bet. The, the, you know, and see them hanging out and be kids and have powers. Damn it, this whole thing sounds terrible. Dude, I, all right. How many I, how many I, incarnations of Doctor Doom can we get before we get it right? You know what, man? They had Galactus and the Silver Surfer at their disposal, and they still couldn't get that right. Exactly. I don't. I, they have so many of Marvel's greatest villains at their disposal, and they continue to botch them. But God bless you, Fox. Because for, for for whatever Fantastic Four movie they put out, they also then go out and put out, like, a Logan that I didn't like, but a lot of people did and thought it was one of the best in the series. So, I don't know. I, I liked Logan. <laughs> see, but see, yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought you liked Logan. So, I did. Yeah, yeah. I I thought honestly wanted to walk out on it, but I only I I, I stayed because I I'm a completionist. But yeah, no, I I thought it was garbage. But yeah, it's it's Fox has weird success with movies, movies that should fail don't, and movies that 
shouldn't fail do. So I don't know, man. But uh, way to give bad news at the end of the show, man. Yeah, that's our overtime. I know. I was ready to go, and you worked me up. Uh, so, yes, we will uh, one day get a uh, Twitter up to the show. But for now, look for us on our timelines, and we will catch you next time here on Third Nerd.